Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our final installment of Basics for Bible Believers, lesson number 10. Last week we covered Tell the Good News, how we uh, discussed how to share the gospel and uh, how to give others the gospel. This week we're going to be discussing stewardship, stewardship. And uh, this is, um, is going to be a, a really nice lesson, and we'll, we'll study through here. But first, before we get started, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and then we'll start. All right. So we've got here now stewardship. Now, uh, when most people think of stewardship, they immediately think of money. Uh, while we will focus on that particular subject tonight, we should at least mention the importance of stewardship in every area of the Christian life. So first, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This is important to learn when you first get saved. Um, as for me, as for myself, when I first got saved, I didn't know about this. I didn't know about uh, how that God had called us to be stewards and uh, like I've explained to, to our church many times before, the steward is, uh, that's where the word stewardess comes from, or steward, like on a plane, uh, or that's more commonly known. Uh, in days gone by, you'd get on a train or something, and there would be a, a steward on there. And what they would do is they would take, their, they would take your valuables, they would then uh, take them into their care, lock them up away in the safe, and then deliver them back to you at the end of the journey so no one would steal them. And so we find the same picture with the Lord. Uh, he gives us something valuable. Uh, he gives us life and health and breath and uh, the Word of God. He gives us um, everything we own and possess and enjoy. And He asks in return that we're good stewards of it because it doesn't really belong to us. We're, he's delivered Him to us to keep safe until He comes back for His goods. Amen? And so we want to be good stewards. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, if you've got your Bible there, and verse number 1, the Bible says, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, we know that uh, there are several mysteries in the Bible, seven mysteries, and we've talked through those and to told you about those before. And it's very important you understand that in, in, in your stewardship. Now, keep continuing on. Moreover, it is required, verse 2, in stewards that a man be found faithful, that a man be found faithful. You, as God's steward, whether male or female, boy or girl, child or uh, adult, uh, oldie or a young one, you say, what is it? All of, all of you are uh, stewards after you get saved, stewards of these mysteries, uh, uh, and not only stewards, but faithful stewards. Amen? The Bible says it required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We forget that sometimes. Uh, to be faithful in these uh, in our stewardship, uh, Amen. You you don't want to give your goods or put your put your things in someone else's care that's found to be unfaithful and not deliver you back. You say you wouldn't give them anything else. That's right. And so um, uh, we'll uh, we'll look at that from that angle tonight and understand that. So we are called and told in the Bible to be faithful stewards. And this is something I didn't really understand when I first got saved, and I learned it later on. And I missed out on several good years of, of time to be a faithful steward. In this passage, we are to be faithful stewards of the mysteries of God. And most people never think of the Word of God when they think of stewardship. And you say, what do you mean, preacher? Um, they, they take the Word of God and they 
change it to fit their own ideas. They change it to, to fit their, their own beliefs. They go to the Word of God with their preconceived notions, their traditions, and then they use the Word of God to, pr to prove what they believe. That's, that's false. That's not the way you're supposed to do it. You're not being a good steward. You're supposed to go to the Word of God as a blank slate and let God write the pages on your heart and let God fill in the blanks and fix you the way He wants you to be fixed, amen, and the, the way He wants you to be molded. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. A lot of people, they have to unlearn more than they learn when they come to church, especially a Bible-believing church. Some people come to our church and, and they've been in church for years. Maybe it wasn't a Bible-believing church. Uh, maybe it was uh, a Baptist church, but they didn't teach uh, uh, the right uh, doctrine. They didn't teach the truth, and so they have to unlearn some things. And uh, everyone that does come and unlearn some things, you say, by what? By the preacher, by that church? No, by the Word of God. Uh, like the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? And so we are to be faithful stewards when it comes to the Word of God. But most people never think of stewardship and the Word of God in the same thought. And so the sad thing is that many out there have altered the Word of God uh, and exchanged the Word of God for a lie. And they've done that, and they've not been faithful stewards when it comes to the Word of God, not realizing the terrible consequences of being such a poor steward. And that's what some people do. They become poor stewards of the Word of God. And uh, we're, we're called and told to be faithful stewards. And I ask you here tonight, uh, as we study, are you a faithful steward of your time? Are you a faithful steward of your time? Do you waste your time, or do you use it for the Lord? Uh, the Bible says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Uh, you say, what's going to happen? Uh, the Bible says that Solomon gave instruction to those youth. He said, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. You say, why? Because your youth is going to slip away. Uh, your days are going to be uh, gone. And so if you don't take hold of those and seize those and be a good steward of those and read your Bible and pray and minister for the Lord Jesus Christ before you know it, it's gone. And many, many of us will stand, and I include myself in that, many of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and our time will be put into the fire and unfortunately a lot of it's going to be burned up because we weren't faithful stewards uh, when it came to our time. What about being faithful steward when it comes to our talents? Many of you have been gifted by God uh, with special talents. Some of you can start a conversation and talk to folks really easy. You can insert the Word of God and you can uh, include uh, your testimony. Well, do you do it? Do you use your talent for the Lord? Some of you can work on cars and you can be, you can be a mechanic and somebody in the church has a car that breaks down or maybe your neighbor that's lost uh, and you, you have a chance that wouldn't be just a bit of your time, and you could use your talent uh, to, to minister uh, and, and be a faithful steward when it comes to your talents. Uh, some of you just have natural ability to sit down and play the piano, but you don't use it for the Lord. Um, some of you have natural um, talent to be able to play the guitar or to minister in a certain way, to sing with an angelic voice, if you will. Uh, do you use it for the Lord, or do you just sing in the shower when nobody can hear you? Uh, are you being a faithful steward when it comes to your talents? And boy, we could go on and on, but we, we won't. How about your body? The Bible calls us as God's people. It says your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Are you a good, are you a good uh, steward when it comes to your body? Are you, are, you, are you careful with what you put in and, 
And what you get out of your body, are you careful, like the Apostle Paul says, to keep it under subjection and bring it under subjection? Or do you just feed it junk food and, and you just um, uh, abuse your body? You stay up late, you get up early. Uh, like the Bible says, it's, it's not good to stay up late and to rise up early and eat the bread of sorrows. Always be moping around and, and not using your body. Um, many of you could get out and you've got a strong body. Brother George, uh, you know, he, his body is in decline. He can't do uh, what some of us can do and have the, have the ability to do that. Amen? Uh, some, of, some by age, like Brother Bill, his, his health is starting to give and uh, he can't walk as fast as he used to because his hip's giving him trouble. Um, and you say, what is that? that? That should be a reminder to all of us that our day's coming when you say, what's waiting on us? A hospital bed, uh, some, some disease, some, some, something that will slow us down, and we won't be able to use our body like we once could have for the Lord Jesus Christ. How are you using your body for the Lord? Are you using it to be a, a mouthpiece for the Lord Jesus Christ? And whatever he lays on your heart to speak, maybe to your neighbor or to your friends about him, about your testimony, are you using that for the Lord? So you got your time, you got your talents, you got your body. Uh, how about uh, when we meet together or when the church meets together? Um, I always love the testimony and hear the testimony of the lady that her body was starting to break down, but she was in a wheelchair. And uh, the, she kept coming to the pastor, and I've told you this before, but she kept coming to the pastor. And, and in this wheelchair, he felt sympathy and pity for her. And uh, she kept saying, Pastor, I want to do something for the Lord. But he looked at her body and said, Oh, She's got a broken down body. What can she do? And I feel ashamed to ask her to do something. And uh, this, this lady kept hassling him. And then one day, you know, in America, the church doors would be left open. And most of the time, the pastor's study is in the back of the church. And uh, all the lights would be out to conserve energy. But that back room would be uh, lit up. And the, the office would be in the back of the church, just in a little corner back there. And uh, this pastor was there doing the church business and studying, getting ready for Sunday. And he hears out in the congregation, he hears, a, you know, it's a, it's a rubbing. It's a, you know, just, just like that. It's a scraping, uh, a rubbing, a, a noise. And he hears that. And he thinks to himself, what is that? He, he ignores it and it keeps going. You know how you go. And he goes out uh, into the congregation. He goes out into the sanctuary. And he looks around and he doesn't see anybody, but he hears the scraping. And he thinks maybe a bird's got in or maybe a, an animal or something. So he goes and he, he searches out. And then when he gets there, he's found this wheelchair. And he didn't recognize it straight away. But uh, come to find out, it was that woman's wheelchair that had been coming to church and wanted to do something for the Lord. And this woman had got her, uh, either was on her back or uh, had, had got a skateboard, uh, something like that. And she had got down, um, crawled out of that wheelchair and got on her back and laid down on her back, and she had got her a, a, a scraper, a tool, and she went underneath all the pews, and she was working her way one by one through the pews. Say, what was she doing? Scraping gum off the underneath of the pews for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? What's our excuse? I know I'm not preaching, I'm teaching, but man, I, I tell you, I get under conviction when I think about stories and I hear things like that and uh, how do you use in your body for the Lord how have you yielded your members to the Lord Jesus Christ mm. boy oh boy and she she didn't want to be pointed out for that she just wanted to do something for her Lord and she could do that and she did it boy amen 
How are you when it comes to being a faithful steward of your time, your talents, your body? How about your children? Are you being a faithful steward when it comes to your children? Are you teaching them the scripture? The Bible gives you a command to bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Or nurture and admonition. Do they know that God loves them? Do they sing together, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, but mom and dad tell me that as well. Amen? They taught me the song. They, they brought me to church so I could learn about God and, and, and be a faithful steward when it comes to your children. Some people aren't. Some people say, oh, they don't want to go to church. I don't want to force them. Well, you're a bit of a hypocrite, aren't you? You force them to brush their teeth. You force them to go to school. You force them to do a lot of things. You force them to eat their vegetables because you're a parent. Amen? Well, I, you know, I don't want to hurt their little feelings. Forget about their feelings. You're not their friend. You're supposed to be their parents. Amen? And children have to do things they don't like all the time. Amen? And uh, how are you being with your children? Are you being a faithful steward? How about your possessions? How about your possessions? Are you being a faithful steward when it comes to your possessions? Amen? You thought we were just going to talk about certain things tonight. We will hit the Word of God, your time, your talents, your body, your children. And boy, we're just getting started. I, I'm not going to go into all of it, but your possessions. Uh, that house that God gave you that you prayed for. When was the last time you invited a, a family over from the church and, and laid out a meal for them with God's money and God's provision and bragged on the Lord how God's good God has been to you to give you the place where you live and use that car to pick somebody up that nobody else can or will and you bring them to church and you take them home and you encourage them in the Lord. You say, you know what we'll say all the time? This is God's house and this is God's car and this is God's body. Well, what's God getting out of you? Are you being a good steward? If it belongs to the Lord, how have you used it for the Lord? Amen? Have you used that, that car to come to church and uh, maybe do some letterboxing? Or has it transported you to get some uh, gospel tracts so that you can be used of the Lord? Amen? You think about those things? If everything you have, every possession that you have belongs to the Lord, how are you using each possession that you have to glorify Jesus Christ. Amen? Um, the Bible says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Everything. Everything you do. You say, you got that toothbrush. That, that, that's one of your possessions. God gave it to you. Just something minuscule. God gave it to you. Brush your teeth. Amen? So that you can come to church and you don't have halitosis and, and uh, bother somebody else with, when you're fellowshipping with them. Use it for the Lord, amen? Say, God, I'm going to brush my teeth and have good oral hygiene. You say, is God for that? He is. He tells you if you've been fasting to wash your face and anoint your, anoint your face and do those things and so that you don't appear unto men to be fasting, but enter into your closet. God's, good. God's for hygiene if you can get it, amen? Use it for the glory of God. You say something just as little. Say, is God interested in those small things? He is. Uh, God said if you give a cup of cold water... In the name of Jesus Christ, you'll not lose your reward. You've got a cup of cold water. I know I've, I've met uh, some, and I know Brother Josh wanted to do I think he mentioned it one time, uh, how that you can get bottles of water and put the gospel on them. Our church in America, Cornerstone, we ordered those. You can get just regular bottles of water, just those small ones, on a hot day, and get you an esky and pull it out on the street and get a gospel track or put the gospel right on those things and hand out waters. Buy, buy some waters and hand it out and say, this is in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't you know that will make an impression? Amen? And it's just a bit of water, just a possession you've got. 
You can do that for the Lord. Amen. How about that? Just some thoughts. Say, I don't want to give out a bottle. Well, give out a gospel tract and set up a, uh, um, a thing there where you give out cups of cold water. Amen. Whatever, whatever you can use, your possessions. You see, there's many things that come under this heading. Many things. But now we will discuss the most obvious. And when it comes to the monetary giving, the clear, uncomplicated, when it comes to money, when it comes to the monetary, the clear, uncomplicated, established standard that is set forth early in the Word of God is the tithe. Is the tithe. Now the Word itself, look over at Hebrews chapter number 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 2. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 2. So we'll start reading in verse 1. The word itself means tenth. Tenth. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of, of the kings and blessed him. Verse 2. To whom also Abraham gave a what? Tenth part of all. And so some people don't like the word tithe. Well, how about tenth? Uh, call it whatever you want. Uh, the word itself means tenth. And it says he give a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. And so therefore Bible believers know that their giving is to include a minimum, a minimum of one-tenth of their income, of their income. There are various methods of giving and, and typical uh, questions concerning how to tithe. And uh, we, can, we'll, we can get into those sometime. But right now we're just going to focus on this, just the beginning, just the, the, the simple uh, standard set forth early in the Word of God. And the scriptural standard still uh, is the, it, for giving is the minimum that one should give. It's just the minimum. That's what the tithe is. It's just the minimum. That one should give and is only a st starting point in giving. Now some argue and say the tithe was only in effect under the law. You see and some of you think that too. But you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. That's not scripturally true. It wasn't just it's only under the law, under the law. No it's not. Look at Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. You need the whole counsel of God. Don't listen to somebody that that's running their mouth, that doesn't know the whole counsel and the whole word of God. Look at what it says. Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14 and verse 20. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 20, and this, this is what we read in Hebrews, but it, this is the same story that picks up uh, Genesis chapter 14 verse 20, and bless the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave him, what? Tithes of all. That's not enough. Look over at Genesis chapter 28. That was Abraham. Let's see what it says in Genesis 28. Genesis chapter 28 and verse number 22. By the way, who was, uh, who was Jacob to Abraham? You see, that was his grandson, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, you know what you you know what you uh, will teach um, just just by doing it. You'll teach your children uh, not only by talking about it. You teach them by um, by doing it by action. You see, and here's Jacob. Look what it says about Jacob here in Genesis chapter number uh, twenty-eight and verse twenty-two. And uh, let's get a bit of the context. Um, verse twenty. 
And Jacob vowed a vow, uh, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, verse 21, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. Verse 22, And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and all of that, all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give thee, what? Tenth unto thee. So you got Abraham, you got Jacob. Amen? And you say, where were they? Where was the law? Abraham and Jacob, there's, there's no law there. Amen? There's no law. This was before the law. This was before the law. And, uh, and so we find in the Bible that the tithe was before the law and it was during the law. So God's thought on the tithe was before the law, before ever, he ever gave the law. And under the law, he continued that same thing. Look at Leviticus chapter 27. You're in Genesis. Look at Leviticus chapter 27. Leviticus. I'm showing you early on in the Word of God, God establishes uh, this. Leviticus chapter 27. Leviticus chapter 27 and verse number 30. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 27 and verse number 30, And all the what? Tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. So we see it before the law, during the law. Malachi, that's right before Matthew. Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10. This is under the law. We don't disagree that it was under the law. But it didn't come into effect under the law only. The standard was already set up before the law was ever given. God, God received that 10%, that, ten, that tenth of all from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then he received under the law as well. Look at Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now wherewith, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour, out, pour you out a blessing, and there shall, be not, there shall not be room enough to receive it. Verse 11 is a good one too. And I will rebuke the devourer, devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. How about that? Rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I like that, amen? I like in the Old Testament, uh, under the law, that uh, when, when they gave the way God was pleased, you say, what'd he do? He'd rebuke the devourer. Devou uh, that's a, boy, that's a tongue twister for me. Devourer. <laughs> so that you wouldn't get devoured, amen? And so that not only... So the standard is, uh, standard is set before the law, during the law. And some people say, okay, you get to the New Testament and it's overthrown, it's thrown out. Well, wh why do you think that? Why do you uh, automatically go to that? Um, I think something's wrong with someone's heart when they start seeing. Uh, the Bible says that the Old Testament was written for our admonition and for our learning. 
Amen? So we can learn some things. We can learn some principles. We can learn some things back there in the Old Testament. Um, and so the standard is set. There's no reason to believe that we should overthrow that and do, here's, here's what I want you to get, and do less under grace than those that are under the law. You say, what did we get under grace? Man, we have got manifold blessings far, that far outweigh and exceed what we see before the law and during the law. So I say to you, it's the bare minimum. It's just where you begin. Amen? It's just the beginning. And so there's no reason to believe that we should do less under grace than those under the law. Jesus even mentions the tithe in the New Testament. Look at Matthew chapter 23. You say, is he telling everybody to overthrow it, to get rid of it? Well, let's find out. Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. He specifically mentions it. Let's see what he says about it. Matthew chapter 23. He mentions it twice, actually. Uh, basically the same, same thing. It's Matthew 23, 23 and Luke chapter 11 and verse 42. And here, here's what he's saying. Verse number 23, Matthew 23, 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now he's talking to the Pharisees and scribes. For you pay, what? Tithe. So they're tithing. Mint, tithe of mint and anise, and cumin, and have omitted. So they're taking these spices. Can you imagine getting your spice rack out, and you've got the chop, chopped up, diced up spices, and and uh, and you've got those in little bottles you get from Woolies or Coles or whatever in the shops, and you've got that, and they're pouring it out there, and they're dividing it up, and they're tithing on it. They're putting a tenth of that out there, and and uh, the Lord's saying, "For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted, and have omitted." the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Now, he doesn't finish there. This is what he says. These ought ye to have done. What? The three things he just mentioned, the weightier matters of the law, which is judgment, mercy, and faith. He said, these ought ye to have done. Now, it doesn't finish there. And not to leave the other, what? undone. Jesus says, you ought to not leave that tithe of the mint, anise, and cumin, even the small things. He said, he that is faithful in little, be faithful in much. Don't, don't forget those little things. Don't leave those undone. Do it all. Don't just do the small and tithe off of those little things and do that, but do it all. Amen? And so... Now, we know that the New Testament uh, doctrinally started when Jesus Christ, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. We understand that. Uh, I'm not arguing with you on that. I'm just saying Jesus Christ mentioned it by name and mentioned the tithe. And he was, it was a time under the law there, no doubt. But if you read over there, you find Jesus said, I didn't come to overthrow the law, but to fulfill it. And so unless you had a direct verse that says, do not tithe, get rid of that, overthrow it, then why wouldn't you just leave that as a, a simple standard? Some, something doesn't add up, amen? The reason some argue about the tithe is because they have the wrong attitude about giving to begin with. God is not only interested in the amount given, amen, but the attitude. He's interested not only in the amount, but he's also interested in the attitude in which it is given. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 
2 Corinthians chapter 9. I love this old King James Bible, amen? I love the Word of God and how God lays these things out and lets us see it clearly and gives us understanding. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's see what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and look at verse number 7. Well, let's back up. It's too good to to pass up on. Look at verse 6. But this I say, is this New Testament enough for you? But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, verse 7, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Amen? For God loveth a cheerful giver. And so the Lord's interested not only in the amount, He's interested and and encourages us in the amount in verse 6, but He's also uh, interested with the attitude, in the attitude in which you give. And uh, look over, you're in Corinthians, look over back in the book of Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. You say, what did Jesus say about this? Well, let's look and see. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Jesus, uh, the, the Apostle Paul says here, and he quotes Jesus later in the, the passage here. He said, I've showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. When you realize these truths, uh, what God says, you'll have little trouble accepting the tithe as the beginning point in your giving. It's just a simple, no-nonsense approach. Uh, And some people believe it's been overthrown. Well, fine. If you believe that, that's fine. Uh, we'll get we'll get more of that later. Uh, I want to sh- I'll show you something else on that. Now it's important to note that the place uh, changing gears here a little bit, but it's important to note that the place of giving in the New Testament is this: the primary place of your giving should be your local church. Amen. Uh, look at one Corinthians chapter sixteen. One Corinthians chapter sixteen. I said primary primary place. Amen. One Corinthians chapter number sixteen. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We saw a method back there in Malachi uh, chapter 3, verse 10 and 11 there. And the Lord said, bring it all in that my house may be filled. Say, what was that? That was, that was their crops. That was their food. And you say, what did they do? They distributed that, just like the New Testament says, distributing to the necessity of the saints. So as we give into the local church, as God says here, um, what happens is, is when others go down then the church has the funds to be able to distribute those to the necessity, to the needs of the saints. Amen? And if people don't give and they don't give accordingly, you say, what happens? When the need comes, the, the, the things are not there to give. They're not there to give. And, um, and, so, and you say, why? Well, let's keep reading here. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now concerning the collection 
for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Amen. That there, you say, where does that take place? When they meet upon the first day of the week, when the New Testament church meets. Amen. And so the gathering there and the collection, it's called. So when we pass the bag, we call that the collection. Uh, we're collecting it for the saints, for the work of the ministry. Amen. And to take care of those things. And so we see, that, um, we see that mentioned here. Look at Ephesians. It's the primary place should be the local church. Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 21. Now this is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21. The Bible says, Unto Him be glory in the church by... Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So, unto Him, unto Jesus Christ, unto Him, be glory in the church. Amen. So the primary place that we give is in the church. Amen. In our local church. The church, um, and, and when we give, the church is the body of Christ, of course. And that's found, you're in Ephesians, look at Philippians, I mean Colossians. Turn over to uh, your right. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 18. Colossians chapter 1. The church is the body of Christ. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 18. The Bible says in Colossians 1.18, And he is the head of the body, the church. Amen. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So Jesus Christ is magnified and glorified and gets the preeminence in the church. Amen? Through the church and in the church. Look at verse number 24, continuing on. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ uh, in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Amen? Which is the church. And so the local church is the physical representation of Jesus Christ on this earth. It's through the local church that Jesus Christ has chosen to carry out His continuing ministry until His return. Look at Ephesians. Ephesians, back to your left. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And we'll read through verse 15. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11. And He gave some apostles... And some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give those things? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There's the church. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Do you see it? Amen. And um, verse 16, For whom the whole body 
fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And so we see that the, it's important to remember the place of giving is in the New Testament, is in the local church. Um, and here's a good tip for you. You go by there and somebody's rattling uh, a, a, a bucket saying, give to this cause, give to that cause. And, and I always tell them, I give through my local church. And so you say, what does that do? It gets me off the hook. I don't have to feel bad about not giving to um, this and that because my charitable giving and my things are going through. Say, why do you do that, Pastor? I do that because God gets glory out of my giving. He gave me the, the strength to work. He gave me the, the ability to get the income, and he gifted it to me. I want to make sure I give it in the right place. Uh, you, you give it to World Vision, and you think that that $2 you give is going to go to a child to be able to see. What you don't know, you look, you know, you pop the bonnet, look under the hood, and you, you start uh, messing around in there and, and looking at the financials, and you'll find, I, I don't know about World Vision in particular, but some organizations, they get like five cents on the dollar. So that means out of that $2, a child may see 10 cents of the money you gave. At least when you give to the local church, you know where your money's going. Amen? And you're laying up treasure in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt, and it's going to the missionaries on the mission field to see people get saved. So some people ask me, uh, where we're taking up funds for this or that, I always say I give my money through the local church. And it's a chance to witness as well and be, uh, and be outstanding for Christ. Amen? And so just a little side note there. It's through the local church that Jesus Christ has chosen to carry out His ministry. Therefore, as a rule, when we give through the local church, instead of giving directly to someone else, Jesus Christ gets the glory instead of us. Amen? Because He's to have the preeminence, and He's to have the glory. So in our church, we've got a box there that's forgiving, and we've got, we pass the offering bags. We, do, we have those things. Maybe take an envelope. God lays on your heart to give to a brother and sister in the church and you want Christ to get the glory. You write their name on that. And write it clearly. Write it in that box. And I guarantee you, in our church at least, and I can't speak for every church, but in our church, if you designate that to someone, we would be robbing um, and, and stealing from the place that it's purposed to go. So if it's in, it's in our offering and it's designated to go somewhere, we will make sure it gets to where it's, it's been designated to go. And so you say, what does that do? Well, the blessing is um, that whenever it's it takes place in that way, that, that really works out to the glory of God. You say, why? Because Jesus Christ gets glory in the church. When then the treasurer um, uh, or the men pick up the offering, they, re they read that this is uh, set aside for brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or um, for this cause... They don't know where that came from. They just know that they have an obligation and a duty to get it to that person. That person receives it. They look around at the church. They don't know who gave it. All they can do is look up and say, Praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ. You heard my prayer. You answered. And you used one of the brethren here to do it. You used the church and God. You gave through the local church. And God gets glory in the church. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the best way. That's the primary way to be able to do that. If you want to study more on New Testament giving, uh, you can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 and read through there. You can read 1 Corinthians chapter 16 
among other places. And uh, now that's not even getting into missions and, and offerings, uh, special offerings and different things like that where we have an opportunity to give to different causes within the church. But you should grow spiritually to the point of enjoying giving. Amen? In all areas to realize the joy of storing up treasures in heaven. You know, sometimes people accuse preachers and churches of being money grabbers. And some are. But as Bible believers, we have a different motive. Amen? We have a different motive. Uh, and it's found in Philippians. Uh, you're in Ephesians. Turn over Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And look down at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And look at... Um, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 17. Now the context here, if you read it, uh, we can back up a little bit. Verse, 13, uh, verse 14, Notwithstanding, you did well, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. That communicate is help and to, uh, to, to give. And you say, how do you know that? Keep reading. Verse 15, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving. And receiving, So the communication is defined as giving and receiving. But ye only, for even in Thessalonica you sent once and again to my necessity. Verse 17, not because. Here's the Apostle Paul. Here's the Bible-believing preacher talking about giving and preaching about giving. Not because I desire a gift. Listen, I don't care if any of the money that you ever give to the Lord, if I ever see a penny of it. I trust the Lord. The Lord takes good care of me. And He's never let me down. Uh, amen. And uh, he never let me down before I was a pastor. And he's never let me down as I'm a pastor. Amen. And preaching these things. But I need to preach the whole counsel of God. Just like the Apostle Paul. In verse 17, he said, Not because I desire a gift. You say, what does he do it for? But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So he's trying to help the brethren to see if they give, God takes note and they get credit in heaven in their spiritual bank account. The, what does it say? Fruit that may abound to your account. So as a Bible-believing pastor, I tell you these things. You know where the money's going that you give into the offering. We tell you the, the missionaries and the preachers that come through. We look after them and, and give to missions. And we, we, we lay all of that out so you know where your money's going. Amen? And where the funds are going. And so we praise God for that. And you say, what is that? You give to the local church, we rejoice together, and God gets the glory. Amen? And you get fruit that abounds, not just goes into, but abounds to your account. Now, furthermore, if giving offends you, and you say, I don't like the word tithe, it's not uh, in, under, under our dispensation and all that, throw it out. That's fine. I'd, uh, I'd, I'm not going to come chase you and twist your arm. Uh, or tell you God's going to you know, rip out your kidney and, and do this or that. It's between you and the Lord. Uh, I've, I've never went to someone personally and said, uh, you know, are you doing this, are you doing that? That's between you and the Lord. <laughs> Amen? That's between you and the Lord. Um, when we give our missions, nobody puts their name on anything. Uh, we keep our budget uh, with Faith Promise Missions. We put those cards out there. No, but nobody's name's on it. Nobody's going to come looking if you don't give uh, what you put down there and said, I'm going to try to commit to give this this next year. Nobody's coming after you. We are trusting in God, but we need to know some general figures so we know who to support and how to do it so that we can be structured, and that's why we do those things. 
So if giving, if this type of, uh, you reject this and say, no, the tithe is not, I'm just going to give 1%. Give 1%. And you say, I'm just going to give 5%. Give 5%. I'm not going to give any percent. I'm just going to give uh, from according to my conscience, according to this or that. Fine. But the Bible says to give. Amen? To give. And, um, and, and I say this to you. If giving offends you, uh, you're, you're offended for the wrong reason. Can I say this? God does not need your money. Amen? Look at Psalm chapter 50. This is what some people forget. And I know some of you, I'm addressing young Christians, and I'm trying to help you to get into the blessing stream of God. Like the Apostle Paul said, he said, not that I desire a gift, but he said, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So if I'm going to be a faithful minister of Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you the truth. Now, I'm not going to twist your arm and force you to do it. It's going to be, be, be between you and the Lord. But I'm going to show you one thing. God doesn't need your money. He's not up in heaven wringing His hands together saying, I wonder if they're going to give this week so we can make ends meet. No. No. God doesn't look at it that way. How do you know? Well, go to the Bible. Psalm chapter 50. Psalm chapter 50. And uh, you're in Psalm chapter 50. Look at verse number 8. Psalm chapter 50 in verse 8. The Bible says, I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings, to have been continually before me. He said, I'm, I'm not going to rebuke you for that. I'm not going to reprove you for that. He said, I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. I'm not going to take it away from you. God doesn't twist your arm and tell you, you better give. No. It's a matter of the heart. For the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. You keep your money if you can't give it. Um, what, cheerfully, you can't give it to the Lord with the right heart, the right attitude. And then you say, why? God doesn't need your money. You won't hear that in the charismatic channel. You won't hear that at Hillsong. You won't hear that by Joel Osteen. No, you won't hear that. You'll only hear that in the Bible-believing church. Keep reading. Verse 9, I will take no bullock out of thy, thy house, nor he goats out of thy fold. Verse 10, for every beast of the forest is mine. Anything you decide you're going to give already belongs to God. Amen. Is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Who does that belong to, folks? It belongs to God. Verse 11. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. Verse 12. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. Say, what if the Lord had a need? He wouldn't even tell you. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. That's the God of the Bible. Not some charismatic God. Twisting somebody's arm and pinning them to the mat and say, God's going to kill your kids unless you give this money and God's going to rip out your kidney and you're going to have to pay in blood. Look what it says. Verse number 13. Well, verse 12. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to him. Verse 13. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Question mark. It's all going to go out on the ground. God doesn't need your sacrifice. God doesn't need your giving. Verse 14. Offer unto God... Thanksgiving. 
and pay thy vows unto the Most High. And look at verse 15. Beautiful verse. Used to be my life verse. And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Amen? And so I say to you folks, God doesn't need your money, but if you want to get into the blessing stream of God, you want to be um, in, in uh, making the Lord happy, the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. He looked over, Jesus Christ did look over at the treasury, and he saw how they cast in. And he said, those have not cast in of their want, but of their abundance. But this woman hath cast in all that she hath. So the Lord is looking at what we give. He is interested in that, but he was interested more, and he's interested more in the heart uh, motive of it. Amen? And so keep those things in mind. Now one, one final thing before we, uh, uh, before we finish. Uh, go to Hebrews chapter number 7. Hebrews chapter 7. I was just reading this and uh, thought I might share this with you. Talking about the tithe being before the law and during the law. And some people, of course, get upset and, and bothered. Um, this is kind of not exactly in the study, but I thought I'd share it with you anyway. Hebrews chapter 7. And uh, just something the Lord showed me. Maybe, maybe, I've, uh, maybe you'll, you'll see it as well, but I was pretty excited when I saw it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom Abraham gave a tenth part of all. There's your tithe. First being, by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Verse 4, Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Verse 5, And verily they are of the sons of Levi who receive the office of the priesthood. So he goes before the law, now he's getting into during the law. Verse 5, The sons of Levi who received the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. That is, of their brethren, though they came out of the loins of Abraham. Verse 6. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham, and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here, men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them. Now, now verse 8 is the, the, the part that you've got to pay attention to. And here, men that die receive tithes. But there, future, he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. But there, where is that talking about? Where is he? We, we know about before the law, and he's talking about during the law. And then he, he switches to another step. But there, he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. Verse 9, and let, let's see what he's talking about. And as I may say, so say, Levi also who received tithes paid tithes in Abraham. For, yet, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. For what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? So you had Melchizedek, then you had Aaron. Verse 12, for the priesthood being changed, didn't the priesthood change? The Bible says Jesus Christ is our what? Our great 
high priest. So something changed. So Melchizedek and Aaronic priesthood, and then we have uh, continuing on. Verse 13, For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest. You say, who's that? That's Jesus Christ. We'll see it in a moment. So you had Melchizedek represented before the law. You had Aaron represented during the law. And guess what happened after the law? Jesus Christ is our great high priest. Amen? I'm, I don't know about you. I'm just seeing this. I'm excited. I want to share it with you tonight. This is sort of just a side, a side note. We may edit it out later. But the Bible says in verse 15, And yet it is far more evident, for after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest who is made, not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, for there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God, and inasmuch as not without an oath, he, Jesus, that's he, was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's Jesus. Verse 22, By so much was Jesus made sure, a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue. The amount of them that kept coming, high priest and coming. But the Bible says, They were not um, suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an un changeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the, the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. So you say, what do you have? Melchizedek, Aaron, then you have Jesus Christ. And so if you look um, back to verse, um, verse 8, you say, where is Jesus Christ? He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God, is he not? And the Bible says we enter into the throne of grace. But the Bible says in verse 8, But here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them. Notice those words too. This may be an advanced revelation from the King James Bible here. You got that italic words that were, where God's put them in there. He receiveth them. That's Jesus. Of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. I don't know, just something to think about. Amen. All right, we'll stop right there. we got some questions for you. Study that and look at it and tell me whatever you think. But I just, just thought that was interesting as I read and studied to get prepared for tonight. 
All right, so questions here. Other than money, name two things that we are to be good stewards of. Name two things. Name two things. Name two things. How about um, your possessions? How about your talents? Amen. How about your body, your children? There's a few things. Amen. Number two, should a Christian tithe? Should a Christian tithe? I think we tried to answer that for you. I say yes. Amen. Number three, should a Christian give more than the tithe? Should a Christian give more than the tithe? Some people think, I've gave, given my 10%, I've given my tithe, and that acquits me from all other offerings I don't need to give if a missionary comes through or give to a special cause, I've, I'm done. And that's what they think. So, should a Christian give more than the tithe? I think so. I believe so from the Bible. Yes. So, number four. God is not only interested in the amount given, but the, starts with an A, with which it is given. God is not only interested in the amount given, but the A, blank, with which it is given. The starts with an A. Say, what is that? Not only the amount, but also the attitude. Amen? Uh, the, the attitude. The attitude. Number five, other than tithing, what other types of giving should we be involved in? What other types of giving? How about missions? Maybe a building fund, I don't know. Uh, some different other kinds of giving as well. All right, number six, what is the primary place of giving? What's the primary place of giving? This one should we drilled this one home? The primary place of giving is what? The church. Amen. The local church. That's the primary place of giving. Now, what uh, that's number six. Number seven, what is the purpose of giving through the local church instead of directly to someone else? What is the purpose of giving through the local church instead of directly to someone else? We we explain that to you as well. You say, what was that? So that Jesus Christ gets the preeminence and He gets the credit. God gets glory. Uh, Christ gets glory in the church. Amen? God gets glory in the church. All right. And if you want to memorize a verse, uh, the, the verse to memorize will be 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. All right. We'll stop right there for tonight. And this concludes our study on the basics for um, Bible believers. And uh, I wanted to, to make known to you as well, uh, in a few days, uh, I think it's going to be uh, November 1. Uh, is that right, Brother Josh? November 1, we're going to be uh, launching uh, the, um, the bookstore that goes all over Australia, New Zealand, and, uh, and we're going to be launching that. And this book will be found in there. Now, that, that book here in the lesson that we just went through was all put together by my pastor, Pastor Ron Routh. And uh, you, can, you can get this booklet and all the material that we went through is all laid out there and the, the blanks you can fill in and have a copy for yourself. There is no charge for that. That's, that's something we want to give uh, to you as a gift. Um, now that is that gift, that free gift, is we've got to limit it to because we can't ship it all over the world. We've got to limit that to Australia. And so we'll ship that out to you and give that to you. If you want a copy of that, write our ministry. Um, if you, that'll be info at openbible.com.au. 
Um, but Brother Josh reminded me this is going to be a free, um, a free item if you go to our bookstore and you can order that and that'll be a free item. You'll be able to put that in the cart and that'll be a free item that'll ship out to Australia and you'll be able to get a physical copy. Uh, if you don't want to wait that long, we can also do a PDF copy, but we'd prefer the physical copy to send that out to you. All right, if you want that, just let us know. All right. All right, we'll, we'll stop there tonight and be dismissed with a word of prayer.